welcome to Myth Matters, storytelling and conversation about mythology and why myth matters to your life today. I'm your host and personal mythologist, Dr. Katherine Svela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. This is our second and final podcast in celebration of National Poetry Month here in the United States. And (laughs) I'm very excited to share these poems with you. I have devoted the April episodes to National Poetry Month ever since I began podcasting nine years ago. Yeah, nine years ago. I, I started doing this because I wanted to honor and recognize the shared origins of poetry, myth, and song. These ancient arts were often one and the same in form and performance in our earliest recorded days, and they are still emerging from the same psychic mythic stream. I also want to share some of the power of poetry. A poem, like a song or a story, can evoke a deep and necessary sense of the rightness of things. In his work titled The Relevance of the Beautiful, philosopher Hans Gadamer writes, The experience of the beautiful, and particularly the beautiful in art, is the invocation of a potentially whole and holy order of things, wherever it may be found. The experience of beauty in a poem can take a number of forms. A good and useful poem may be beautiful in sound, in form, in craft. It may speak about beautiful things. It may invoke the beauty in a moment. The beauty may also be in the making, in the courageous heart and imagination of the one who found and laid out the words. Attention to beauty is one way to find the quiet eye in the middle of our collective storms. This is the thread that runs through the poems that I've selected for you today. Communion with the poem brings me perspective and peace of mind, something that I have very much needed lately, and perhaps you do too. If this possibility of turning to a poem is new to you, I hope you'll try it. When you are feeling tense, worried, or anxious, one of these poems may help. Reading poetry, especially reading poetry aloud to yourself, is a way to get grounded and regain your trust in life. Read a poem and speak it until the words feel like your own, like they feel like your own expression. Now, let's meet these poems. (laughs) I invite you to relax and listen. I hope they bring you a moment of beauty, a shift in perspective, courage, peace of mind, and heart. I'll pause for an extra moment between poems to allow us each the space 
for a breath or two. This first poem is an old touchstone for me, a reminder to let go, to laugh, as this too shall pass. A Strange Feather by Hafiz All the craziness, all the empty plots, all the ghosts and fears, all the grudges and sorrows have now passed. I must have inhaled a strange feather that finally fell out. Wax Wings by Robert Francis Four Tao philosophers as cedar wax wings chat on a February berry bush in sun, and I am one. Such merriment and such sobriety, the small wild fruit on the tall stalk. Was this not always my true style? Above an elegance of snow, beneath a silk blue sky, a brotherhood of four birds. Can you mistake us? To sun, to feast, and to converse, and all together. For this I have abandoned all my other lives. Thank you, Teresa, for sending me this next poem. It's called The Leash by Ada Lyman from her collection, The Carrying. After the birthing of bombs of forks and fear, the frantic automatic weapons unleashed, the spray of bullets into a crowd holding hands, the brute sky opening in a slate metal maw that swallows only the unsayable in each of us, what's left. Even the hidden nowhere river is poisoned, orange and acidic by a coal mine. How can you not fear humanity, want to lick the creek bottom dry, to suck the deadly water up into your own lungs like venom? Reader, I want to say, don't die. Even when silvery fish after fish comes back belly up and the country plummets into a crepitating crater of hate, isn't there still something singing? The truth is, I don't know. But sometimes, I swear I hear it. The wound closing like a rusted over garage door and I can still move my living limbs into the world without too much pain, can still marvel at how the dog runs straight toward the pickup truck, breaknecking down the road, because she thinks she loves them, because she's sure, without a doubt, that the loud, roaring things will love her back, her soft, small self alive with desire to share her goddamn enthusiasm until I yank the leash back to save her, because I want her to survive forever. Don't die, I say, and we decide to walk for a bit longer, starlings high and fevered above us, winter coming to lay her cold corpse down upon this little plot of earth. Perhaps we are always hurtling our body towards the thing that will obliterate us, begging for love from the speeding passage of time. And so maybe, like the dog obedient at my heels, we can walk together peacefully, at least until the next truck 
comes. Elegy by Arcellus Germay What to do with this knowledge that our living is not guaranteed? Perhaps one day you touch the young branch of something beautiful and it grows and grows despite your birthdays and the death certificate and it one day shades the heads of something beautiful or makes itself useful to the nest. Walk out of your house then, believing in this. Nothing else matters. All above us is the touching of strangers and parrots, some of them human, some of them not human. Listen to me. I am telling you a true thing. This is the only kingdom, the kingdom of touching, the touches of the disappearing things. Thank you to Brenda for sending me this next poem, titled Fear by Khalil Gibran. It is said that before entering the sea, a river trembles with fear. She looks back at the path she has traveled, from the peaks of the mountains, the long winding road crossing forests and villages. And in front of her, she sees an ocean so vast that to enter there seems nothing more than to disappear forever. But there is no other way. The river cannot go back. Nobody can go back. To go back is impossible in existence. The river needs to take the risk of entering the ocean because only then will fear disappear. Because that's where the river will know it's not about disappearing into the ocean, but of becoming the ocean. Thank you to Mario for sharing this next poem titled The True Love by David White. There is a faith in loving fiercely the one who is rightfully yours, especially if you have waited years and especially if part of you never believed you could deserve this loved and beckoning hand held out to you this way. I am thinking of faith now and the testaments of loneliness and what we feel we are worthy of in this world. Years ago, in the Hebrides, I remember an old man who walked every morning on the gray stones to the shore of baying seals, who would press his hat to his chest in the blustering salt wind and say his prayer to the turbulent Jesus hidden in the water. And I think of the story of the storm and everyone waking and seeing the distant yet familiar figure far across the water calling to them and how we are all preparing for that abrupt waking and that calling, and that moment we have to say yes, except it will not come so grandly, so biblically, but more subtly and intimately in the face of the one you know you have to love, so that when we finally step out of the boat toward them, we find everything holds us, and everything confirms our courage, 
And if you wanted to drown, you could, but you don't. Because finally, after all this struggle and all these years, you simply don't want to anymore. You've simply had enough of drowning. And you want to live, and you want to love, and you will walk across any territory and any darkness, however fluid and however dangerous, to take the one hand you know. For What Binds Us by Jane Hirschfield There are names for what binds us. Strong forces, weak forces. Look around. You can see them. The skin that forms in a half-empty cup. Nails rusting into the places they join. Joints dovetailed on their own weight. The way things stay so solidly wherever they've been set down. And gravity, scientists say, is weak. And see how the flesh grows back across a wound with a great vehemence, more strong than the simple, untested surface before. There's a name for it on horses when it comes back darker and raised. Proud flesh, as all flesh is proud of its wounds, wears them as honors given out after battle, small triumphs pinned to the chest. And when two people have loved each other, see how it is like a scar between their bodies, stronger, darker, and proud, how the black cord makes of them a single fabric that nothing can tear or mend. The Sycamore by Wendell Berry. In the place that is my own place, whose earth I am shaped in and must bear, there is an old tree growing, a great sycamore that is a wondrous healer of itself. Fences have been tied to it, nails driven into it, hacks and whittles cut in it, the lightning has burned it. There is no year it has flourished in that has not harmed it, There is a hollow in it that is its death, though its living brims whitely at the lip of the darkness and flows outward. Over all its scars has come the seamless white of the bark. It bears the gnarls of its history, healed over. It has risen to a strange perfection in the warp and bending of its long growth. It has gathered all accidents into its purpose. It has become the intention and radiance of its dark fate. It is a fact, sublime, mystical, and unassailable. In all the country, there is no other like it. I recognize in it a principle, an indwelling, the same as itself and greater, that I would be ruled by. I see that it stands in its place and feeds upon it and is fed upon and is native and maker. Kuan Yin by Laura Vargas Of the many Buddhas, I love best the girl who will not leave the cycle of pain before anyone else. 
It is not the captain declining to be saved on the sinking ship who may just want to ride his shame out of sight. She is at the brink of never being hurt again, but pauses to say, all of us, every blade of grass. She chooses to live in the tumble of souls through time. Perhaps she sees spring in every country, talks quietly with farm women while helping to lay seed. Our hearts are a storm she trembles at. I picture her leaning on a tree or humming or joining a volleyball game on Santa Monica Beach. Her skin shines with sweat. The others may not know how to notice what she does to them. She is not a fish or a bee. It is not pity or thirst. She could go, but here she is. And thank you to Ronnie for sending me this next poem, I Am Not I by Juan Ramon Jimenez. I am not I. I am this one walking beside me whom I do not see, whom at times I manage to visit and whom at other times I forget, the one who remains silent while I talk the one who forgives, sweet, when I hate, the one who takes a walk when I am indoors, the one who will remain standing when I die. I have one more poem for you today, but first let's pause to give a big welcome to new subscribers, Rachel and Mark. (laughs) Thank you for subscribing for email announcements about the podcast and my other programs. I offer online courses and a range of collaborative one-on-one processes to help you find a deeper truth in this moment, to live your soul life with creativity and freedom and joy. Some of these are ongoing consultations. Some of them are one-time happenings, details, for all of these various offerings are at my Mythic Mojo website. I also want to thank the patrons and supporters of this podcast whose financial contributions keep it all going. If you, dear listener, are finding something of value here in Myth Matters and you can afford $5 or $10 a month to sustain this podcast, I hope that you'll join me on Patreon too. There are some special benefits that I offer to patrons, and you can get those details on Patreon. Now, I realized when I was putting this together for you that I ended the last podcast with words by Mary Oliver, and this led me to consider Oliver as an example for beauty-seeking and the peace that can be found by attending to beauty. In one of her poems, she says that she was a bride to amazement. A bride to amazement. Shifting our attention away from the news and the horror and our fears about the future 
is such a powerful, powerful thing, not only because it soothes us, but because it is a way of participating in that holy order and coherence in the world. It's sometimes hard to believe that as one little ordinary, supposedly, <laughs> human being that, that, that we can contribute anything to the suffering in the world, and yet we can through the way that we live our lives. And this is so much a function of where we put our attention. With that in mind, let me read you this last poem. It's called I Worried by Mary Oliver. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing and gave it up and took my old body and went out into the morning and sang. And that's it for me, (laughs) Catherine Savela and Myth Matters. Thank you so much for listening. I will meet you here for a story next time. And until then, take good care of yourself and keep the mystery in your life alive.